here we are, uh, midst of the season of Epiphany, and we have such an opportunity, right? I mean, we've, we've just celebrated the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that God became man, which is great news, because he understands what it's like to be human beings. And then we're looking forward to the, the celebration of Jesus' death and resurrection. So we're right here between the two. And so the season of Epiphany is a perfect time to declare Christ to all people, that, that we have a good news to share. And so it's interesting, or not interesting, but it's, it's helpful actually that we have here this gospel passage this morning uh, that really summarizes Jesus' message and then again draws our attention back to the calling of disciples. Calling is at the very center of this passage. Again, you remember last week I talked about Philip who's called and then Philip calls Nathaniel and Nathaniel comes and finds Jesus. And, and so today we have two, two more sets of, of guys that are called to be disciples of Jesus. Um, James and John, the son of Zebedee, and, uh, and Peter and Andrew. And so the, these are called to come and, and they're, they're, in, they're encouraged to leave their father and Zebedee the, and, and James and John's case and, and to leave their nets and to leave their fishing trade and follow after Jesus. Now, you know, I was just reading this week about the fishing industry in the first century Galilee. It was, uh, it was a booming business. Right? It, was, it, was, it, was, it was sort of like being in the, the vaccine business right now. Okay? It's, a, it's a good time to be in that business. It's a good time to be in the fishing industry if you were the first century. There were, fish was the, the, the staple meat of the Roman Empire, not just of, of Palestine. Uh, fish were important. And the Sea of Galilee was teeming with fish. And there were tons of fishermen and it was an incredible industry and yet Jesus calls these four to lay down their nets and to follow him that calling that Jesus does with with both Philip and Nathaniel last week and James and John and Andrew and Peter this week that calling is is so central to our passage because it's it's important that we remember that that God must first call us that God calls to us he is sovereign and he calls us to himself just like with Nathaniel and Philip we see that that these other brothers are called to Jesus he calls them to himself which is pretty unique because in the first century, a rabbi normally wouldn't call disciples. A disciple would initiate. A disciple would say, Rabbi, will you teach me? I want to become one of your followers. But here it's Jesus who is calling disciples to him. As a matter of fact, in all of Scripture, the only parallel we can find in the Old Testament is Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah does tell Elisha, come and follow me. But it's not quite the same because we know that Elijah's getting, getting ready to, 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 to be taken up. And, and Elijah allows Elisha to go back and to say goodbye to his family and, and sort of deal with this. And, and Jesus doesn't do that, does he? He says, come follow me. Let the bed, dead bury the dead. Anybody who, who, who follows me and then looks back is unworthy of the kingdom. And it's this it's very different thing that goes on here. Jesus is, is calling people to himself like none other. He is the center of all things. He calls them to himself. He calls them also into community. It's, re, it's good to remember this. I think sometimes we, we and again, in a kind of a, a Protestant uh, kind of a world, we, we tend to think in terms of 
personal conversion and coming as an individual to, to Jesus and starting that relationship. And clearly there needs to be a personal conversion, but it's not simply just me and Jesus in the, in the Bible and G, me and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He calls those disciples into a community of believers that surround him. And that corporate sense, that, that communal sense of his calling is important for us to keep in mind, especially this morning and what I want to talk about. But there's something else that we learn in this calling Jesus does for these two sets of brothers that is unique to this passage and wasn't present in the, the John 1 passage we read last week. And that's that Jesus, not only does he call them to himself and he calls them to community, but he third, he calls them to service. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And in that, that vocation to be those who fish for men, fish for people, they have a service to do. Now, it's, it's first century fishing. It's not hook and sinker, that kind of stuff. It's, it's net fishing. It's, it's, you know that. I've preached this before. If you've been around me for any length of time, you, you know it's, it's net casting and it requires teamwork to pull those nets in. And, but Jesus says, your service will be to draw people to me. The calling is to be fishers of people, to gather people for Jesus. And this brings up the E word, evangelism, right? And that's closely associated with the word evangelical, which is kind of taken it on the chin as of late, and uh, especially in the culture. And, and so we have to unpack it. But, but evangelism is, is really what is thought here. It's, it's, it's in the heart of, of Jesus to, when he calls these men that they are going to egalion in the Greek. What does that mean? It simply means, egalion is simply the word for gospel, the good news. Literally, good news. It was used before the New Testament was written. Kings would write and say that they had some good news to spread about this victory and a battle that was fought someplace. And, and that word, egalion, would have been used in that situation. But when Mark begins to pen the gospel of Jesus Christ, the egalion of Jesus Christ, he says the good news. Not a good news, but the ultimate good news. The word gospel is actually an English word that is translated from egalion. So it's funny for me because for all I, my life, I, I've sort of understood to be an evangelical is just somebody that understands that we need to be about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. In a world that tends to water down and, and sort of uh, minimize what it means to be a Christian, we say, no, it's about the person of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But I realize the word evangelical has taken on lots of different meanings and it's become a political voting block and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I want to say, let's strip away all that thought and let's just think about what it means to be evangelion, the, the, those who proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to just apologize in advance because there's a couple of Greek words in here, and I don't usually translate Greeks, but it, it is so essential that we understand just in that first few verses, 14 and 15, that we understand what the, what the Greek words mean behind the English words. Because Jesus comes and he, he begins to, uh, to, to call them to 
this work of evangelism, of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, evangelion. It's funny, I have a, a, a workmate now. She works on the other side of our house, but because we're both extroverts and rather loud talkers, I get to hear a lot of her conversations. And it's interesting to me, I'm learning that there's some, there's some new business terms that have become popular. I don't know if you've heard of, we have to pivot. You heard that? That's a business term. Business people talk about pivot. We're going to pivot. Josh, do, are, is your industry pivoting? Are you pivoting? Yes, you're pivoting. So we know, and I, I think of pivots when you know in basketball where you, you know, that's a pivot. But now pivot is where you change course in your business because with that which will not be named, we have to pivot. And so that's become popular. So another term I've been picking up on in some conversation is championing. I need you to champion this new idea or this new direction that we're going to pivot to so you can use them in, in, in combinations. Just the other day, Jody was telling me, I'm talking about Jody, my wife, of course, she was telling me that her boss actually used these words, I want you to be an evangelist for this. Interesting. I want you to be an evangelist for this. Maybe you've heard that. In my day, back in the 90s in business, people would talk about, I'm going to have a come to Jesus meeting with people. First time I heard that, I was like, really? I mean, you, you know who Jesus is? I mean, this is interesting that... I don't, my boss, it was nothing to do with evangelism, by the way, when, when somebody tells you they're going to have a come to Jesus meeting with you. But they, the, the business culture borrows this language, but, but evangelion, it, it meant to be those who proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And clearly that's what the Lord wants to do within us. He wants us to Proclaim his kingdom. And, and, he, and he says it there in those first couple of verses. Now the time has come. Time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. It's so short. Mark, you remember, is so brief, but, but so much power packed there. But you need to understand, when, when he says that the time is fulfilled, he doesn't mean like, okay, it's 930, start, time to start the service. It's not chronos, not the, you know, the chronological time. It's kairos, where that kairos ministry, that prison ministry gets its it's, it's a It's a peculiar time. It's a uniquely critical time. It's a critical time for making a decision. Now is the kairos moment. It's a decisive moment as opposed to just the next time or what's going to happen tomorrow. There's that kairos sense of time. And when he says that the kingdom of God is near, he doesn't mean like, again, chronologically or temporally the, the kingdom of God is near. He's saying that it is, it is spatially near. It's very near to you. Now, Jesus stepped into time and space in a particular historical time, over 2,000 years ago. Yes. And so there is a sense in which Jesus stepped into chronos, but there is also a sense that when we encounter someone and we share the good news, the evangelion of Jesus, that it is a kairos moment for them. And that the kingdom spatially has come really close to them. And it's their opportunity to respond. This is, this is where, in, you know, in terms of evangelism, we think in terms of a moment of personal conversion. What will you do with the person of Jesus? What will you do with this, this Kairos moment in your life? 
Now, the problem some people have, obviously, is that they say, well, I just grew up in the church, and I don't really remember when I became a Christian, and I'm a little offended that you think I need to, I need to have a certain moment in time, and I've talked with different people, and, and some people choose to sort of like, I say, well, you know, just start right now. You don't remember when you actually surrendered your life to Christ? Just begin right this second. Let's just pray right now, and you can write down in your Bible like, like, good, like a good evangelical, you know, this is when I accepted Christ, and some people find that helpful. Um, I find it helpful to recognize something about the Greek words behind repent and believe, which is the second thing that Jesus gets to, right? Kairos moment is now. The kingdom is very near to you. What will you do with it? Repent and believe. Now, repentance is to change our minds and hearts about who's in control. It's to allow the Lord to, to correct our lives, to to turn away from what we've been turned, the, the sin that we've, we've fallen into. We'll say more about that in a minute. But, and, and, it's, and then to believe that God has sent salvation in the person of Christ. It's to repent and believe. But here's what you need to know about those two words. In the Greek, they're written in the present continual tense. And I think this is where oftentimes, you know, in an evangelical sense, we, we lose sight of this. Repentance and belief is not a one-time thing. It's a present continual action. And so I'm less concerned about when you can say that you for a fact prayed and, and repented and, and believed in Jesus as I am that you were continually repenting and believing in Jesus. Not because that moment of personal, that Kairos moment is not important. It's very important. But, you know, C.S. Lewis says that some of us, you know, are, know that moment and some of us are really asleep during that moment. We don't really have a sense of when we go from unbelief to belief, but we wake up and we know that we are in that period of Continually repenting and believing the gospel, repenting of where we've fallen short and how we've, we're, we, we have a, a sin problem that we need the Lord to work out in our lives and then we believe that God has the power to do it. Michael Green, who's an evangelist of the church, now with the Lord, got to be with us back in 2007. And Michael Green was a, a, even, he would call himself an English evangelical. And Michael Green, I heard him say, you know, very simply, and I've just kind of held on to this, ABCs. Sharing the gospel is as easy as ABC. A, admit that you are a sinner. Big step, but it's important first step. B, believe that Christ died for your sins. And C, confess that Jesus is Lord. I used that a couple of weeks ago. I use that all the time. Uh, you can go to seminary, you can get a PhD, you can do whatever you want. But if you get away from the ABCs of the gospel, you have missed it. Jesus calls us to himself. He calls us to community. He calls us to service to share that good news, the ABCs. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Christ died for your sins and confess him as Lord. That's, that's, what, that's what Jesus, that summarizes the message. And the Kairos moment is now. And if today you are here and you say, you know, despite everything, I've never truly admitted that I am a sinner and believe that Christ came to die for my sins and trusted him, made, bowed your knee to him, bowed your heart to him, then then you can do that today. It's as simple as that. We can't make it more complex. We do, 
but we shouldn't because that's not what Jesus said. Now is the time. Repent and believe. But it's that continual, that present continual tense that we are constantly doing this more and more and more. And so, and so for some Christians, they emphasize the, the moment of conversion. And for others, they, they emphasize the, the lifetime of, of faithfully following Christ. And both are right. Oftentimes, so much what separates us as Christians is just that we're talking past each other. And I, I just, more and more I see that as we study Scripture together and as we learn and we grow and study what, what the teachings of Christ are. Okay, so, I, so this, is the, this is the message. And so the call then is to, in the service of Jesus, to be evangelion, to be those who share the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news is that we can repent, that we're not condemned by our sin, and that God has the power in Jesus to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the good news. The ability to repent is part of the good news. We proclaim the gospel. We call people to do these things, to to heed the kingdom, to believe, to repent and believe. That's the call we have. But I want you to notice in this, before I finish, I want you to notice that Jesus says that I will make you fishers of men, fishers of people. I will make you, emphasizing that it is Jesus himself who will work in us. We know it's by the Holy Spirit, though the Spirit has not yet been revealed. Jesus will talk about that later on. We'll, we'll talk about that on um, uh, Monday, Thursday with the, with the washing of the feet and the, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. But, but, but it is Jesus who will make us fishers of men. He will do something in us that causes us to be those who attract other people to him. May I humbly suggest that we need to spend more emphasis, more time on being followers of Jesus so that we can be effective evangelists of Jesus. It's not enough. It never was for parenting, you know, do as I say, not as I do. It's clearly not enough when it comes to being a servant of Jesus Christ. You can't say, well, I'm a horrible example of this, but, but you know, you need to repent and believe in Jesus. You know, it's like we need to begin to see some things. I, I, I shared a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was privileged to pray with a young man who accepted Christ. And part of his testimony was, he said, I grew up and I just saw these people and they, they, they went to church on Sundays, but they lived no different from me on the other days of the week. And I just saw, what, what's the point in all this, you know? There's no fruit, right? And, and, and uh, you know, it's like Gandhi talking about, you know, I, I have a lot of admiration for Jesus, but his followers, you know, they put him off. Christ wants to make us fishers of men. Which means when we get preoccupied with what we're going to say, what information we're going to transmit, we're, realizing to, we're, we're not realizing the, the nonverbals that we're sending 
when we live counter to that which we profess with our mouths. I just remind you of of what you have there in the the Jeremiah passage. It's kind of complex, but basically Jeremiah is calling Israel back to repentance. and, And what he says to them is, if you repent, Israel, the nations will know and respond to the gospel. Now, he didn't use the word gospel, but they'll respond to God. They'll, they'll come to God. This, uh, that's Jeremiah 4, 1 and 2. You can, you can mark that down and take a look at it. But, but that's, that's the sense that we are, we are called to be disciples who become attractive and draw people to Jesus. Now, if you think, well, that's, that, I'm glad Alex said that because I'm definitely not a good enough Christian to share the gospel, I need to keep my mouth shut. You're the very person that needs to share the good news. If your response is, yep, I'm all good, I got it all together, I'm clearly the person who needs to share the gospel, then you need to back off. Because you're probably going to come across as somebody who's pretty self-righteous and arrogant and it's, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Can I say that to you? I mean, it's, it's, I mean the reality is, isn't that true? Some of the biggest evangelists in our offices and, and, our, and our, our world, they, they don't live it. And, and you're just like, you cringe. You're like, no, no, please don't. Please don't, please don't say here. Don't, don't have a Jesus sticker on the back of your car. Because there's just a disconnect. Oh, now it's... We are called to be fishers of men, and, and the Lord is, he is in the midst of us. And, of course, there's no perfection in us. We're, we're not going to be able to live perfectly, but we can live with a, a place of, in a place of humility and constant repentance in our own lives, which, in fact, becomes very attractive to Christians. It, it's very intimidating to meet somebody who appears to be a perfect Christian. It's extremely intimidating. I try to constantly break those stereotypes, you know, to the point that sometimes people go, you're a pastor? You know, I'm like, I'm like yeah. Like, really? I go, yeah. I say, well, okay, well then, you know, but it's, 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 it's not off-putting at all because it, it makes the gospel, of, because again, what am I, what am I evega in eugalion? What am I, what am I proclaiming as good news? Look at Alex, look how great he is. No, I'm saying, look at how great God is. And look where he's brought this miserable sinner. And if he can do it in me, he can do it in you. And in fact, he's the only one who can bring you to that place of salvation. Pray, pray, pray before you share. Last fall, Ty and I were a part of a Bible study, and the Bible study leader was, was suggesting a, a, list of, a, a list of people that you're praying for. I thought, man, I've done that some part in my life. I started that again in my, in my spiritual life. I, I started with a list again of people that I would, not, a, not, not my hit list, but the people that I, I long to see know Jesus. And, and I want to be praying for those people and praying that God will give me opportunity to speak the gospel, not only by what I say, but how I live before them. The last thing I want to say is that I don't want you to lose the, communal aspect of this call, this service to be fishers of men. 
If, if you know anything about first century fishing, which I know very little, I know very little about fishing in general, but I know a lot, not very much about, but, but I know that it required multiple people to pull these big casting nets. And some had to hold the sides and some had to dive down and draw up the ends of the, of the net and they would draw the fish in to these big casting nets. If you watch that Chosen, they have a really good example of that in the movie, um, but the TV show. But you, but you see, but it's this, it's this work that is, that is it's communal. And I love what Billy Graham always said about people who would come to his crusades, his, his evangelistic events. He would always say, you know what? If I get to be the one who speaks the gospel and people respond. He said, but the reality is that there are tons of people, lots of people involved in this person's life that led them to a place of bowing their knee before Christ. And, you know, and that's very true. It was very true in this young man that I, that I was privileged to be with a couple weeks ago. It, there, there were lots of people that were speaking into his life. And that's always the truth. And it's that sense of community. It's one of the things I loved about our Alpha program. You know, we had this Alpha program for such a long time we ran. And I loved it because it was all these different people who had different roles. Some were making food and some were greeting and some were doing music and some were uh, table leaders. And, 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 and all of this came together. And, and I think it really is an example of what it looks like for a community to bring forth the good news. Evangelion. We can be an attractive community to the world. We can, we can be a, a, a healing bomb. We can be a place of peace and rest where people are striving to live counterculturally, who understand that, that the kingdom of God has come very near to us and that we can repent when we hurt each other and that we believe that God forgives us and is at work within us. Don't go away from this sermon thinking that this is an individual work. You need to go out and fish for people. You need to see yourself as a part of the communal body of Christ. Gathering with other Christians, lifting up the name of Jesus, loving people in such a way that the gospel becomes good news to them. What a time between Christmas and Easter, let's proclaim the good news of Christ. Let's live it in our lives and let's find ways, let's learn to say it when the God gives us opportunity with our lips. A, B, C. Admit, believe, confess. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Lord, we, we would ask that you would do a mighty work of renewal among us, Lord. That you would refine us, Lord, that you would, you would sharpen us, Lord, for the day, that we would be like, a, like a, a mighty army, Lord, waiting to be deployed at your call. Father, we ask that you, you help us to, to learn the gospel deeper in our hearts and minds, live it in our lives through our willingness to repent and to be made new. And Father, that we would have the boldness that where you open the door to speak your words of life. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for our salvation. And Lord, we, we ask that many more would be drawn into your kingdom. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.